Hey guys, you might know me as the host of Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver and I'm a mama to seven-year-old boy-girl twins, both with their own unique neurodiverse struggles. And I am thrilled to be one of the presenters on the Blissful Parenting Boot Camp coming up May 14th through the 19th to share with you guys practical hands-on tips on how to work with your kids and their behaviors. There are underlying causes that we don't even know exist, but we do if you put in the hard work and that's what I've done and that's what I'm here to share. Underlying causes and practical tips so that you can feel powerful and empowered to take care of your kids and work through those tough moments. To register for this event, simply click on blissfulparentingbootcamp.com. So join us, super excited. Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to parenting that kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers. There are three tips I hope you take away from today's episode. One, breathe, relax, and know that you have a better grip on this than you think. Two, behavior is caused by something. And three, identify your goals so the help that you're asking for is a addressed appropriately. On today's episode, I speak with Stacy Posdell, a licensed master level therapist with 20 years experience working with individuals and families impacted by developmental and behavioral needs. Stacy graduated with distinction and high honors from the University of Michigan with a BA in psychology. She then graduated from Vanderbilt University with a master's degree in clinical psychology. One of the most amazing things that Stacy said during our interview was that she meets a family where they are at. She understands Parents are busy. She understands children are running from one thing to the next, appointments after appointments. She's used this information over the years to create resources, tips, and even a book to help support the busy life that we, as parents of children who struggle to fit into today's box, experience. Please help me welcome Stacy to Parenting That Kid. Well, thank you, Stacey, for joining me today. I am really excited. I have to say this morning I had a mom ask me for some tips and tools on behavior, and I I chuckled because I was really thrilled that you and I were going to be speaking today. Well, fantastic. Um, I'm glad to help. Yeah, thank you so much. So I always like to start with a true story, maybe a story that you're comfortable sharing, a personal story with you and your child, or maybe um, a child that you have had in your life some at some point where you thought, oh, this could be, this needs to be addressed and I have experienced things that other moms have experienced? Yeah, absolutely. So personally, I've got two kids who are, of course, absolutely amazing, um, but they have tested every bit of my knowledge and my skills and my parenting <laughs> along the way. Between the two of them, we have covered major medical diagnoses. We've covered um, ADHD, sensory processing, language processing. We've met with, oh gosh, OTs, PTs, speech therapists, audiologists, oh. uh, special educators. We've had IEPs, 504s, health plans at school. So we have done all of it. There is probably not a professional out there I haven't consulted with or considered consulting with or looked up information <laughs> about. Um, and I don't know that there was ever a aha moment where I went, 
oh my gosh, I know exactly what my child needs. I think Mm -hmm. it's that nagging gut feeling that we get as parents where you just know something's not right. And you start on that wild goose chase to figure out who knows something that can help you make it a little easier for your child and your family. And there are days I think I'm rocking it. There are days I am convinced I'm the worst parent ever. Um, And, you know, I think that's just kind of how it is. But I have been in every situation. I have, you know, stood there mortified that my child was melting down and I do this for a living. And I thought, oh, gosh, if any of my clients see me in this target (laughs) with my child melting down, they will never come back to a session. And that's just you know, kids are kids and you're going to deal with behavior and you're going to deal with everything. And that's, you know, and I, I know we'll get to lots of things. We'll talk about it, but that's really what my goal is, is to figure out how do I take all of this behavioral knowledge and make it real life and real world and work when you are in the middle of target, having the world's biggest tantrum and you're sleep deprived. And so yeah, we've done all of that. We have been (laughs) in every one of those situations. I, I mean, I hate saying this, but I love that because it is reality and it shows that even though you're a professional, you're not immune to the other stuff. You know, it happens to you too. And you use your tools and, um, you just pick yourself up and keep going. I just absolutely Absolutely. love that we can all relate to that. Even though you have all the knowledge in the world on it, it's still, it's still your daily life. It's still kids and parents and And I tell families all the time, I do this for a living, but it looks a lot different at home because my emotions are mixed in Mm -hmm. and I'm off the clock. So the way I'm able to work through a tantrum in a professional setting is not real world because I have nothing else to do for the next hour except work on your child. And there's never a moment as a parent where there's nothing else to do for the (laughs) next hour except work on that tantrum, right? Right. So it's just not real world. And so that's where you kind of have to figure out how can I adapt it? Yeah. Well, and this is your child. And when it's your child, it seems to be just a whole new ball game. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So I know what you do, but can you share what you do, um, what your profession is so that people have an idea? So I have my own private practice. I am a therapist in the state where I live. It's called a mental health counselor. It varies from state to state. Okay. Um, But I work with kids with behavioral issues. And that means a whole host of different things. It can include autism, sensory processing, ADHD, anxiety. But honestly, there's a lot of typical kids who are struggling for some reason. And kids don't have a lot of tools in their toolbox. So if they're struggling, it looks like behavior. And so I get kids for, you know, a huge number of reasons with and without diagnoses. And we just really try to figure out what is going on. What are the tools they need? What are the tools the family needs? And how can we make every day just go a little bit better for that family? I love that. So it really is a whole bunch of um, different diagnoses and maybe non-diagnoses that are coming to you. Why would someone come and see you? Is this something that a parent goes, oh, we need help? Or is this generally a teacher stepping in saying we've got to pick uh, or find some more resources? What makes them go, oh, this is what... Generally, I think it comes from the parents. That's certainly not always the case. I've got some families, even right now, who said, you know, school is out of ideas and we don't know what to do and school said, Mm -hmm. let's get help. And sometimes schools will contract with me, but in general, it comes from the family and it's that they're, you know, we've all been in that spot where you're just out of ideas. You've tried everything you can find online, everything that was on 
whatever, you know, Dr. Phil or Ellen or whatever right. show you've watched. And <laughs> none of it's working, none of it's translating, and you're just, you're trying to figure out how can I make my life a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and so for families, I tell them behavior is communication, right? Like I said earlier, kids don't have a ton of tools in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. So we're going to figure out what is your child trying to communicate to you and how can we give those parents some better tools on how to handle it and how can we give the kid better tools on how to express what they want to express and get what they want. I'm not a fan of we need to stop bad behavior. Mm -hmm. There is no bad behavior. There's a child who doesn't know what to do to get what Mm -hmm. they need. I like that. Thank you. So, but that, you know, that's the truth. There's I'm sure there are exceptions, but I have never met an evil child. I just haven't. They just don't know how to get what they want. And so we've got to figure out what that is. And a lot of times it's just too hard to see it when you're in it. I've struggled with that for myself that I've reached out to people who do what I do and said, I'm mom and I just can't look at this with objective eyes. Tell me what we need to do. And so I try to be that person. Nice. So you said child, are these young children coming to you? Or is this something that you use throughout, I guess, into teenage years? Because I do feel like, honestly, I I start, um, I'll start as little as they come to me. I used to work with my state's birth to three early intervention service. So I'm very comfortable with the littles, but I've got probably the majority of mine, I would say, are some version of school age, but I've got, um, college students. I've got people, yeah, the whole range, just depending on what's going on. And sometimes they're just not ready to leave me, even though they (laughs) have grown up. And so we shift what we're working on. Primarily, I see kids in that four to high school kind of range. Uh. Wow. Okay. So that's probably very different um, behaviors that you're having to process through. It could be very different from hour to hour in my world. (laughs) Uh, What should people expect when they come and see you? Is this a, you know, you said some people just don't want to leave, but in general, is this a four times? Are we talking a year, two years? So that's a great question. And I get asked that all the time. And unfortunately, there's not a simple answer because everyone is so individualized. Mm -hmm. But what I tell families in general, we're going to come in that first session, we're going to get a ton of background information so I can kind of get up to speed. We're going to set some treatment goals and then we're going to be working on it. And the more they're able to practice things between sessions, the faster we're Mm going to make progress. Mm -hmm. Not that I expect people to be doing huge amounts. I'm a mom. I get it. Life gets busy. But the more you can reinforce things, obviously things are going to move faster. But there are kids that I will see for three sessions, they come in, we get background information, I give the family a couple tools, and it clicks. Mm -hmm. And there are families that are on session 200 that have been coming for 10 years. (laughs) It could be because it's a really significant diagnosis that we're working with. It could be because for a variety of reasons, they're just not able to work on things outside of session. Or sometimes once we get, maybe they come in because of major aggression. And once we get the aggression under control, we can see there's some other things that are lacking. Maybe we need some social skills. Maybe we need some executive Mm. function and planning skills. And so we switch gears. So it doesn't Ah. always look the same, what we're working on day one as day 100, but sometimes it does. It just, it's so individualized depending on where you're starting. And I hate that I can't say it's an eight session practice, but, <laughs> but it just isn't. But I, I do say 
that every six months we're going to sit down and we go over the family's goals, the child's progress, we reevaluate, are there new goals, have we mastered this, and that's something that is really important to me that families are getting from whoever their provider is. You need to be getting check-ins and making sure that you're making progress so you don't just get in that, I'm coming because I like you, I'm coming because right. that's where I go on Tuesday afternoons. Right. What are you accomplishing? This is time, this is money, this is resources. And so we're constantly checking in and making sure it's still meeting their needs. Right. I like that. I like I like that it's, this isn't a one-time, once-a-week kind of ordeal. You have to take it home with you. And again, we have lives. So how do you put that in? Are, these, are there any tools that you would give to this individual that maybe the whole family does together? I always wonder, as I start to work with my little guy, um, how do I work with him and how do I work with him and his sister together? Absolutely. And I will have families bring siblings into session oh. because the sibling is the issue, but right. that's life. Right. And that's fine. I, I'm very comfortable with let's make this a whole family activity. So if we are working on conversation skills because we're getting tantrums because we don't have good communication or whatever the reason might be, let's do a conversation game and let's let the sibling practice. Maybe the sibling is younger and doesn't have good communication skills, so it's a bonus. Maybe the sibling is older and has better skills, and then they can be a model. So whatever mm-hmm. it is we're working on, I definitely am very into let's get the whole family working. There's no downside to getting siblings involved. Right. Um, and so it really just depends on what the, the goal is that we're working on. I'm a big believer of making things into games. Anything mm-hmm. that I can make into a game that I can make fun is going to be more engaging. If they're little, they don't want to do worksheets. And if they're big, they do them at school all day anyway. Right. The last thing they want to do when they come see me is sit down and do another worksheet. So if I have 10 questions I want to work through, I'm going to write them on index cards and we're going to play a board game. And instead of the cards that came with the board game, we're going to use these. Oh. It just is a simple little switch. It's the same information that would be on a worksheet but now it's fun. And now the sibling goes, I want to play that game and it gets some buy-in. So however you can kind of tweak it can just kind of get everybody a little more engaged sometimes. That's a great little trick. And I have a feeling that's why they want to keep coming back. Well, my maybe. Kid- I'm just so fun. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> my children want to go back to occupational therapy just because they want to go play. They have oh, no- that place is the most fun ever. Yeah. I can't compete with OT. They win. <laughs> They have way better stuff than I have. <laughs> way better stuff. Yeah, but it's all play. They just think they're going right. to an inside playground. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so do people need a referral to come and see you, or is this something that they can just look up because they feel like maybe this is a good fit for their child? For me personally, you can just call me, email me, and I will get you in. I know that can vary depending on people's insurance and okay. providers. So if you are not coming to me, I would just do a double check on that. Okay. Generally, for this kind of therapy, people can self-refer, but that's not 100% the case. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and then who is your ideal client? What would, if somebody was at home and they were looking at their little one, what things would they go look at or that you would see going, maybe you should see me or somebody in my, my yeah. type of practice? From a really basic standpoint, I'm looking for a family that's struggling with behavior. And I know who isn't struggling with behavior, but beyond <laughs> the scope of what you feel like is a typical struggle with behavior. Okay. So it could be difficulty because they can't regulate their emotions. Once they get mad, they can't calm down. It could be mm-hmm. that they get super anxious. It could be that they have difficulty focusing. It could be that they lack their social or the communication skills or, you know, anything 
that's sort of off that's making this family feel like I know there's got to be a better way and Mm -hmm. we just don't know what it is there's Mm -hmm. no family that doesn't feel that way at some point but I think when that's sort of a recurring theme that day after day you're thinking this is not feeling okay I don't know what to do that's when it's good to reach out and again sometimes I have families call me like that and three sessions and they're out the door because they just needed a tool or a strategy or a switch of thinking that made all the difference so you're not necessarily talking about investing in five years of therapy right but you need sometimes just the outside perspective and the other thing I will say is a lot of times when people come to me um, I will have them just collect a little data, write down what's going on, tell me what happens before the, the problem behavior, tell me about the problem behavior, tell me what happens after, and we're going to look for patterns. Mm. And that sometimes right there, families take the data, call me, and they say, oh, I, I see what it is. I've got it mm. figured out now. Because when you're in it, even though you feel like you know what's happening, you kind yes. of get caught up in it. So yes. being able to write it down and then look back at it with fresh eyes can make a huge difference. And so sometimes once I have families take that data, they really don't come back. They're like, oh, we've got it figured out now. <laughs> and that's fine too. Yeah. I love that. So I think I carry a little book around with me to do very similar to what you're saying. I write down what happened before, what happened after, how did we get out of the situation? And I look at everything. Is there um, emotionally in our, in that moment in time, or maybe even before was, were we all stressed when we were trying to leave? Um, I also, yeah. And I look at our diet because I know that really affects my little boy. And did he go out last night and eat everything he shouldn't have had? And now I'm having to work against that. But I, body does not feel well. That absolutely will set you off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think parents don't even stop to see that. I know it took some aha moments in my parenting to go, this is how I'm going to figure out what I need to do for this little guy. Cause like you said, when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard to see anything else, but that moment desperation. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you get, so caught up in it it's hard to be objective there are um there are tons of data sheets that can help families do that they're called officially a b c data sheets yeah. for antecedent okay. behavior consequence <laughs> i've got them up on my website okay um on my blog there are some right there you can google it and find some as well there's nothing magical about it i tell families you know, the back of a piece of paper works. I've had them come in on napkins. It really, <laughs> you don't need an official form. I love right. you having a book because then you can keep them together. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing is to actually write down every incident because even though you think every morning it's the same, I tell her to get her shoes on and she screams and then she doesn't. There are little differences that you might not catch until you sit down and track it out. So yeah. write it down, track it out, look back at it, have a friend or a spouse, look at it and go, oh, well, you know, every single time they scream, you get in a five minute conversation about it. Look, they're getting out of doing what they want to do. Mm. So just getting some fresh eyes on that can make a huge difference too. I like that idea. And that helps bring in your partner because this is, it's too much to handle on your own. And, oh, um, absolutely. And they're affected by it too, of course, because they're parenting the same child yes. <laughs> or anybody else who's involved with this little one's life. Do you have a list or a resource that people can Google online? And I say Google because that's where all the logical answers come from. Uh, absolutely. So, <laughs> Google knows all. Yeah. So we can find somebody in our area. I know that you are, you cannot be everywhere. So where do people look up? Everywhere. So <laughs> what I encourage families to do, it's hard if you just go online and search, you never know who you're going to get. Right. So I really encourage families 
if you are associated with a diagnosis already, if your child has anxiety or ADHD or autism, to go to that diagnosis support group, and generally now those all come with Facebook groups, and you can mm -hmm. get on your local chapters group and say, hey, I've got a five-year-old and we're struggling with behavior. Hey, I've got a nine-year-old and we're struggling with language. Who do you guys recommend? And you're going to get conflicting viewpoints, but you're going to get a few names that pop up repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Those are great places to start. Obviously, disclaimer, check your insurance if that matters to you, make sure they're covered. Right. But those are people that have been tested by other parents and can be a fantastic resource. If you don't have a place to go because you don't necessarily have a diagnosis, I've encouraged families to call their local children's hospital and ask for referrals because not every children's hospital has behaviorists on staff, depending on the size, but they often will say, oh, our developmental peds clinic can give you a list of oh. therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists. I used to work at a children's hospital and when I left, they asked if they could put me on the list. So I know a list must exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've done that for families moving out of state. I will go check with other developmental pediatric clinics or whatever clinic is the closest fit for that kid. Um, That's a great idea. I can find some resources. Never thought to actually reach out to the local hospital, but of course they have to have resources for people when they leave. A lot, Yeah, they do. And a lot of them will do diagnosis, but they mm -hmm. don't do ongoing care. And so they, when they do that report, they've got a list of names that they throw at the back of that report every right. single time and they can just as easily give that to you. Wonderful. Thank you. That's a great tip. <laughs> Okay, so I, you and I once spoke about how we have so many parenting books, and yes. you can't get through them all, but I'm going to ask, do you have any books to, that you would suggest? And I think this is more geared towards if you um, maybe don't have a child diagnosed yet, but you're just wanting to learn about things. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you can pick a book about ADHD, but what's something a little bit more broad? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and it, it's going to depend on what you're goal is. So okay. I have families come to me without a diagnosis and ask if they need one. And the reality is for me, this is going to sound bad, but I don't care about your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I care about your diagnosis. Of course I care about it, but it doesn't impact what we're working on. I care about your treatment goals. What are the right. problems? What are we fixing? And from time to time, those diagnostic manuals get rewritten and what used to be called X is now called Y. And I'm not going to get caught up in the, the terms we're using. I want to know what your goal is. So mm -hmm. depending on your goal, there are obviously different books. Two of the ones I send people to a lot, one of them is called A Five is Against the Law. And that is by Carrie Dunn. I'm going to mispronounce her last name, Buren, B-U-R-O-N. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a great book. It, it takes behavior and it makes it much more concrete. I've used it with um, school age and up. I've not used that one with preschoolers. It takes, if you think about, can I whine? Can I complain about something? Well, yeah, that's not great behavior. Where does that fall? I keep my toys. I don't share my toys. Where does that fall? Those mm -hmm. aren't against the law, but they're not great behaviors. And so it takes things and puts them on this five point scale that starts with ones are things we can do with anybody. Twos are things we do with people we know. Threes are odd, fours are scary, and fives are against the law or will get oh. you kicked out of school. And oh. it gives a number value to different behaviors and it helps you rate behaviors. And it helps children kind of make more black and white, something that's naturally kind of gray and tricky like for a lot of kids. It's a fantastic resource. And that one's designed as a workbook 
okay. in some sense. So parents would need to read it first, but then they could sort of work through it with their children. Nice. The other one that I absolutely love is Smart But Scattered, which is a very well-known book out in the field. And I don't have that name off the top of my head, but I can look the author up. Um, but Smart But Scattered focuses on executive function skills. And those are those planning, thinking, organizing skills that everybody mm -hmm. needs and that develop at various times over our lives, but tend to come a little bit later for kids who struggle with behavior. Mm -hmm. They break it down at the beginning. They have a quiz you can do for your child or with your child to help you identify where are their strengths and where are their weaknesses. And then it goes through chapter by chapter. If you struggle with these kinds of skills, here are some specific things you can do to help your child. And it gives you games, activities, reward systems, checklists, and helps you. It's not something you do with your child, but it's here's the information and then you pick the chapters that are going to work on your child's skill needs and kind of build from there. So those are two great resources that I often pull out in clinic and often tell families to, to get for home. I love that because they're not just books to read. I have plenty of reading books, but those are doing books. Action. Yeah. I don't and, want a book that's just going to, I'm going to read and then be no. afraid I have new knowledge now. It's <laughs> no, I want that we need. Right. I want to read for pleasure and then I want to do to help my kid and I Thank need to. You. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not reading a parenting book for pleasure. No, okay. Really so let's talk about books. I know you just released, I maybe a week ago, released your book. Yeah. yeah. It's very exciting. It's slowly rolling out on all the platforms. It's on some of them now, it's coming to Amazon, I think this week. I'm oh. learning this whole process, but it's on <laughs> Barnes and Noble and it's on Apple and it's set up as an ebook, although some sites will let you get it as a paperback, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Um, I did the writing, I'm not doing the publishing part. <laughs> so, yes, I did. It is called um, Insider Tips and nice. it's for insider tips for behavior and it's for parenting strategies and I'm going to get you the exact name so that I can tell you because the problem with writing a book and then just releasing it is you've got 50 different names that you've used and you right. <laughs> the final cut that went on the final cover so when you google it because you uh -huh. don't want to google it it's right. insider tips and strategies for parenting and the way I've set it up is exactly the way I set up my behavior therapy sessions so okay. I know and like we said when we talked about this before, you don't have time to sit and read a 300-page parenting book. You just don't. If you had that time, you wouldn't need the parenting book. So I've set this up so that you can sit down, read the first chapter, and that's your basic overview of behavior and behavioral strategies, which is mm -hmm. exactly what I would do with families at that first therapy appointment. You're going to come in and give me background on your kid, and then we're going to sit down, and I'm going to give you a basics on behavior and what it is and how behavior works. And we're going to talk about that behaviors communication. And we're going to talk about the behavior cycle. And we're going to talk about figuring out the cause of your child's behavior. And then once you've got that, we're going to identify what our treatment goals are. And then each week when you would come back, we would focus on one of those goals. Maybe we're working on teaching new skills. Maybe we're working on being more consistent. Maybe we're working on reducing a problem behavior, whatever it might be. And that's really mm -hmm. the way the book is set up. So you read the first chapter and for some families, that's all they need. Like <laughs> those families who only came in two or three times, they get a basic understanding and go, oh, I get it. Here's what I need to switch in my world. And they might be done. For other families, they might say, okay, now I know I need to work on these three skills. And they're going to go read those three chapters and they're super short chapters. Mm -hmm. And they've got 
handouts and data sheets and strategies to try and step-by-step step, exactly how I would explain it in clinic is written in the book and Perfect. then they can go through and do that so it's sort of a choose your own adventure book if ah. you will, in that you can pick which strategies you want and each one refers you you know if you need to learn more about this go see chapter three if you need ah. to learn more about this go see chapter eight so you can kind of follow it along and refer back to it as you need or just read the parts you need and then be done with it that that again practical it's just get the information and do something with it i love it thank you so this is how you run your practice. Absolutely. Um, are there, after parents have read this book and let's say they're just going, wow, this is awesome, but I feel like we need some more intensive work. Is there information that kind of tells you if this isn't working for you, maybe you need to start coming in and seeing somebody or do parents kind of just read it and go, oh no. I think. If or is you, it clear, I should say. Yeah, I think if you get through this book and you have, worked through the strategies in this book and it's not working it's mm -hmm. definitely worth reaching out to a professional and saying okay. hey here's what i'm trying i'm still struggling and the reality is everybody who comes to me i'm not your first stop i'm just not you don't come to me the first day you have a parenting problem you've talked to your <laughs> friends you've talked to your preschool teachers or your school right. teachers you've talked to your parents and generally, and certainly this is not 100% the case, but generally what happens is you are using strategies that are fantastic strategies based on a behavior rather than based on a cause. So when my mm -hmm. child hits, I am going to put them in timeout. When my mm -hmm. child uses bad words, I'm going to take away their iPhone. But really what you need to be doing is you need to be looking at the cause the same way, so the sort of simple example I tend to give is when you have a new baby, that baby starts crying, you're gonna think through everything you've ever been told. I'm gonna pick up that baby, I'm gonna change their diaper, I'm gonna bounce mm -hmm. them, I'm gonna sing to them, I'm gonna play with them. This kid keeps screaming and keeps screaming, and eventually you think, oh, and you go get them a bottle, and it right. fixes the problem instantaneously. Mm -hmm. You are using fantastic strategies, but they weren't for the problem that your child was trying to communicate. Your child wasn't saying, I'm bored, I'm lonely, I'm wet. Your child was saying, I'm hungry. Once right. you figure that out, you could use the right strategy. If you are taking advice from other families, their child may be trying to communicate something different than yours. And so you're working on what you're seeing, which is the hitting or the bad words or the aggression, and you're not working on what is your child trying to tell you. And so that's really where I try to focus in this book. And if you are still unable to get there, once you've figured out what your child, child is trying to communicate, you may have something more significant going on. You may need a fresh set of outside eyes, or you may be misinterpreting what they're trying to communicate and you just need somebody who's got a little more expertise to help get you on the right path. So absolutely, if you get stuck and you've tried all the things that I'm suggesting in there, I would definitely reach out to somebody else. I love that. That's a really great analogy. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. And I will put in the show notes here so people can go on and order the book and the links to where it is and the title so that people can get their hands on this. This sounds like a great resource for busy families. <laughs> when you and I spoke we last week, we have a life afterwards, right? Our kids have yeah. soccer games and we have dance recitals and somewhere in between you're supposed to throw in going to therapy two times a week. It just seems so... Um, it just seems so large when I even think about it in my own head. And it's I like definitely overwhelming. Oh, it's so much as the parent who has to even show up and drive for all these things. So I love well, that. That's, that's really where this came from is I can't see everybody. Aside oh. from the fact that I live in 
this city and you live in that city. Right. <laughs> get beyond that. I've only got so many slots a week and you've got to be able to get to my appointment at the time I have an opening without having to miss work, pull your child out of school, miss dance class, take your other child to the pediatrician. It just really limited who I could reach out and who I could give strategies to. And I felt like I know more parents are struggling than I'm able to mm-hmm. see in my clinic. And although this may not be the end all be all for everyone, if for a few families, it kind of helps them figure out, oh, here's what I need to do then that's what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm. Well, and it's a tool. You know, there's not a one size fits all and only one item. It's a tool along with all the other resources that we can um, utilize in our life. So I think, I think that's perfect for, the, for every busy mama out there. So you, do you have some tips for me? I love to kind of close up with three tips that are practical that parents can start utilizing now before they get their hands on your book or before they come to see somebody. Yes, I think that's a great a great idea. So the first thing I will say is, and it's hard for all parents, but breathe, relax, <laughs> believe that you have got this. I know everybody walks in the door feeling like they are the worst parent that has mm-hmm. ever parented, but you have a better grip on this than you think you do. And I think it's important to kind of take a second and appreciate that because if you are scattered and stressed and overwhelmed, it's hard to help your child get where they need to get. The fact that you are listening to podcasts, looking up books, seeking out support, you've got this way mm-hmm. better than you think you do. And you're, you're not failing as a parent if you are still trying your best. And if you are doing any of those things, you are clearly trying. So <laughs> believing that you've got it and that you are an expert on your child and that the value that you may have is is unequaled by anybody else because you're going to walk into a lot of doctors and therapists and they're going to start telling you a million things and you have to know that you know your child best Mm -hmm. and if what they're saying doesn't match you need to be able to know that so sort of my first tip is just having faith that you've got a better handle on this because that's going to be crucial for everything else that's good Um, I think the second thing is remembering that your behavior that you're seeing is caused by something. Like I said, with that crying newborn, your child is trying to communicate something. Mm -hmm. Nobody is going to go through the effort of falling to the floor, kicking, screaming, crying, refusing, whatever it is that you're seeing, if if it's not working for them in some way. It's either (laughs) calming their body down or it's buying them time or it's getting you to come over and get them some attention. They're getting something out of it. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to figure out what that is. And so those ABC sheets that I was talking about before, if families can sort of track that behavior, that gives you so much power because once you know what your child is trying to communicate, you can figure out what strategies you want to put in place. And so Mm -hmm. on my blog, um, I try and keep up near the top. It's this behavior basics part two, because I did a three-part series. Mm -hmm. And it says in there has data sheets. That will walk you through how to fill out a form and, and that series will talk through how you then take that and make sense of it. And the book does that too, but I know not everybody's going to instantly run out and buy my book. So <laughs> this is free and you can just download it and you can look immediately and get some ideas on why is my child doing this behavior? What are they getting out of it? So you can start thinking about it differently. And so nice. you can walk into that first appointment saying, I think we've got a lot of 
regulation problems going on, or we've got a lot of attention seeking, or we've got a lot of escape and avoidance going on. Mm -hmm. I need some strategies for that. And it kind of moves you a little ahead of where you might normally start. Hmm. And I think the third tip is making sure that you kind of identify your goals. What do you want to see change? As parents, hmm. we're we often have this vision and I think social media makes it worse where we've got these pictures we see of people living these beautiful, perfect, happy <laughs> lives. And that's my goal. Okay. Well, great. That's not going to happen. So that, you know, what you're not seeing in that picture is all the mess that is behind the camera as <laughs> they took that perfect Photoshop. Right. <laughs> so what is your actual realistic goal? What is it that you are trying to achieve that will make you able to breathe and your life a little bit easier? And once you've got those goals, then you can figure out who can help me achieve that. And it's tempting to try everything. It's easy to get overwhelmed by wanting mm -hmm. to try everything. And as a parent who has dealt with this, I, I fully understand that. But if you put four strategies in place or meet with four professionals simultaneously and your child shows progress, you don't know which one worked. Right. And then you don't know what to keep and what not to keep. And you don't want to be spending more money or time or energy than you need to. So right. identify your goals so that you can walk into the right professional or you can ask for the right professional. And when you call that children's hospital or go on that Facebook group and say, hey, we've got a lot going on, but our top goal is reducing aggression or our top goal is getting my child to be able to complete their homework or our top goal is being able to regulate their sensory system because mm -hmm. he is bouncing out of his body <laughs> and you know where to start and you can put one thing in place and then go to the next. So having faith in yourself, getting some data on what's going on and then identifying your goals so that you can streamline your process. That's where I would say families can kind of start and get moving in a useful direction. I love it. Thank you. Those are great. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, those are the things I need and, to do. Yeah, absolutely. And those are things we can all do. And they don't take any more money or any more planning in our time. It, you know, we just re look at our day and think yeah. about what we want our day to look like with our child or what our child's day should look like. So I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Can you share your blog, the name of your blog, um, so that we all can find you? And um, again, the name of your book. Yes. So the blog is thebehaviorbuzz.home.blog mm -hmm. and I've got everything on there and okay. um, tons of posts, tons of freebies, tons of things people can download and it links to my Pinterest and my Instagram and my Perfect. store and all of that. And then the book is Insider Tips and Strategies for Parenting and that's on Apple and Barnes and Noble and, and on my blog as well. So you can click there um, and it should be coming on Amazon. Um, probably by the time this airs, it should be up. Okay. Imagine. Yeah. And we'll throw a link on the show notes of this as well. So people can click directly right to, um, right to it so they can get it on their, in their, uh, in their Kindle. You said some of it's an ebook and some is a physical book. So I guess yeah, so cool. you can do it however you want. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. This is amazing information. I think it's really valuable. I'm excited. I'm always excited to try thank anything. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk. I, I really appreciate it. It's great to chat. Hey guys, you might know me as the host of Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver and I'm a mama to seven-year-old boy-girl twins, both with their own unique neurodiverse struggles. And I am thrilled to be one of the presenters on the Blissful Parenting Boot Camp coming up May 14th through the 19th to share with you guys practical hands-on tips 
on how to work with your kids and their behaviors. There are underlying causes that we don't even know exist, but we do if you put in the hard work and that's what I've done and that's what I'm here to share. Underlying causes and practical tips so that you can feel powerful and empowered to take care of your kids and work through those tough moments. To register for this event, simply click on blissfulparentingbootcamp.com. So join us, super excited. See you there. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead, tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, imperfect parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey. 